Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hello, and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Emily, a writer. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two type 1 diabetics trying to live our best lives. It's not always easy with the literal highs and lows. But it does help to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Miriam. And welcome to our special edition, (laughs) um, COVID-19, question mark? We, you guys asked. This is usually answer. where I go. Woo! Yeah. But it seems a little bit more inappropriate now. Um, trying to keep it light and upbeat while the yeah. world burns around us. Um, wow, that was traumatic. Anyways. Yeah. Excuse our very sleepy voices, but this is just what quarantine life is now. Don't you feel like you always have this like sleepy voice? I feel like Sophia Bush, a little raspy a la One Tree Hill. I don't know. Oh, but nice. I, it could be for a multitude of reasons. There's really bad allergies <laughs> right now in it's Florida true. coming from me there. Also, you know, could be coronavirus. Who knows? Anyways, Who I'm knows? fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. Yes. Um, which Miriam found on a t-shirt and I need that. Yes. I found this t-shirt that said that and I sent it to Emily being like, either you made this or you need to buy it for yourself. I I literally need to buy it. Oh my God. Fingers crossed. Okay, guys. So (laughs) um, we're back by popular demand, LOL, Um, because we want to give you guys a little something to listen to and maybe help calm the nerves and um, without feeding into the frenzy that is the coronavirus COVID-19. Um. Exactly. And in full disclosure, Emily, when this first started happening, I guess almost three weeks ago right now, almost like a month ago even, Emily messaged me being like, we should, people are, you know, DMing us, maybe we should record an episode. And I said to her, honestly, I'm not in a good enough headspace where I feel like I could record or talk about this without inciting hysteria and having a mental breakdown. Because... And that was my own self-awareness. Like, I was extremely anxious at the beginning of this, and now I'm in a much better headspace, and I feel like I can talk more clearly and, you know, manage my own anxious symptoms. So what Miriam did there was advocate for herself. Um, Not that I would have ever pushed back. I was like, oh, of course. Oh, my God, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, like, also... I feel like if anything, my roles have reversed a little bit. I'm definitely more anxious now, but I think it has to do with the fact that I'm now coming to you from Florida Mm -hmm. where, um, environment, well, not to trash talk our governor, but to trash talk our governor, uh, things just aren't being taken seriously down here and the lack of education or maybe even a lack of taking things seriously is really starting to take a toll on my mental health, um, Mm -hmm from like a bigger standpoint of anxiety inducing behaviors and just mm-hmm. an overall, like we just got a shelter in place that took effect yesterday. Mm-hmm. So New York's been there for like two and a half, three weeks. And I understand New York's the epicenter, but it's trickling down guys. So it not is. to incite anxiety, but mm-hmm. um, Miriam's coming to you from Brooklyn. Her husband has been on the front lines, if you will, doing his part to help. And Miriam has been, helping those virtually through her constant, 
why I don't know why I said constant, but her ability to she's yes. she's helped therapizing people. Yes. Help doing me. a lot of telehealth, video sessions, phone sessions, etc. So yeah, I'm still working, still busy. Um, definitely weird doing it from home, but I think I'm kind of with the rest of the con- world at this point. It's it's weird doing things from home that you're used to doing in person. And you're finding out a lot of things can be done in emails that you don't need meetings for. Oh, yeah. um, that's been like my biggest takeaway. But <laughs> anyway, so we asked, you guys answered a little bit as to what you want us to chat about. We're not here to give you a whole bunch of scientific facts on what COVID-19 is. We're not doctors in that regard. I'm definitely nothing related to a doctor. Miriam is a licensed mental health counselor. So we thought we'd dapple in stress management and ways to cope with um, not only the fear of having or getting COVID-19, but Mm -hmm. sorry, I keep thinking my mom's, someone's like walking out there. She might be, who knows? Uh, Uh, The risk of being at home again. (laughs) LOL. I feel like a high schooler again. I'm literally coming (laughs) coming to you from my high school bedroom or my entire childhood bedroom. Anyway, so we also want to discuss, you know, the the feelings of isolation that can occur when you are isolating and quarantining as well mm-hmm. as the newfound dynamics. If you find yourself living with someone that you weren't living with before, if you find yourself mm-hmm. not having any human interactions for days on end, these are all things that can take a toll on your mental health. So whether or not that's what you wanted us to cover, it's what we're bringing you because <laughs> it's all we know how to talk about. It's all we got. Um, so without further ado, I think I'm just going to rapid fire ask Miriam questions because, uh, we didn't really prepare anything, obviously. Um, just like COVID-19, we just come up out of nowhere. On the fly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, rolling with it. So something that I've been struggling with is finding myself in a newfound long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. LOL. It's literally been a week since I left Rhode Island and my boyfriend, mm-hmm. his amazing family and came home, uh, before all you haters yell at me for flying across the country. You're right. Shouldn't have done that. Um, but here I am. So I've learned my lesson. Also couldn't overstay my welcome. I'm not, mm-hmm. we're not married. I was in Rhode Island with them for two weeks and, um, it was time to come home, but now I'm left doing long distance until who knows. Um, hopefully, it'll only be a few more weeks, but it's definitely a struggle. But for all of those that are in isolation because they can't be with their loved ones right now because they either have coronavirus or their loved ones are high risk, whether that be a parent, a grandparent, or a good friend or a sibling or yourself, I mm-hmm. uh, we're all here with you. We're all isolating from people, and it's definitely a struggle. So my yeah. question for Miriam is, um, what are some techniques to use to stay isolated while not feeling isolated? Mm-hmm. And so I think my first thought with this is, one, kind of tune into the feelings you're having. And I think what's kind of come up in the mental health community is we're realizing, because we're all adapting to this this new way of life, is that feeling that people are having that they can't quite name, it doesn't necessarily feel like anxiety, it doesn't necessarily feel like depression, it's grief, right? We are all grieving a lot of losses that we're dealing with right now. That's loss of our routine, it's loss of our environment, it's loss of you know, events that you had scheduled or plans that you had that are now canceled or, or taking a different form. And so I think with, if we're thinking of it of that way, that you're grieving, right? It's, you're still have your boyfriend, of course, things are still wonderful, but you're now grieving the loss of your routine together and being able to see, to see each other normally. 
you're grieving. And so there's going to be a lot of that feeling that doesn't quite have a name, right? That more than discomfort, but it's just that like, ugh, feeling of missing and It's sadness. more than a meh, but less than a, a sob. <laughs> you Perfect. Know? We should make a, we should make a, a scale of all of our sound effects like that. <laughs> um, but yes, it's that feeling. And so I think the first step to like not feeling isolated is understanding why you're feeling that way and giving yourself room to have those feelings. As we've talked about many times on this podcast, like feel your feelings, have your feelings, give them the space because if you don't, like they're going to explode somewhere else. So feel the feelings and then kind of come up with a plan together and make it a, a joint effort, a joint discussion of saying, I really miss you. I'm feeling isolated. I'm assuming he feels the same way. He likely does. And just come up with what both of you feel you need to feel connected. And there's not like a clear answer for that always. You might say like, okay, well, maybe we'll start by having a morning check-in and an evening check-in. And we'll talk during the day. Maybe you'll make a vow to like do a certain number of you know, video set, video chatting, not a value. Emily's giving me such a okay. face. Here's like, the thing. I was giving that as an example. I don't want this to become a couples therapy situation, <laughs> especially one-sided. Um, also, I know Matt, not like Matt's parents listen to this. Love you. Shout out to them. They rocked and never changed. Everything's fine. Um, <laughs> but this can, this advice can be applicable to any oh. form of relationship. Like yes. if you're really close with your grandparents and you know you can't see them Mm -hmm. check in with them in the morning and at night you know check in more than you usually would it's it's advice that we would give for any number of diabetes related issues like if you're not feeling well and you don't trust your cgm you're going to check more often it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's something that a skill that we have inside of us we just don't realize how to apply so like instead of me sitting here being like "Ah, what am i going to see matt again um you know, I'll just bother him over text constantly. Yeah, and so no, I, for everyone, it's just I think what people are checking in more regularly than in the real in, in normal life before all of this. Like I've noticed that myself. Like I'm talking to people I haven't talked to in a very long time, and so I think that's already happening in the in the world in society. People are just talking more than they used to. But if you find that you're isolating you know, kind of keep tabs on your isolation. Are you feeling isolated just because of what the situation is or are you contributing to that isolation as well? I think when we're feeling down, blue, depressed, um, which is kind of understandable in a situation like this, your, your mind reacts to that by withdrawing more, by isolating more. And in a situ- situation like this where we're already, you know, forced to be isolated, you don't want to be adding more more to that if you can avoid it so when you find yourself sort of you know tiptoeing toward wanting to withdraw or you know maybe wanting to like not in the mood for a phone call or not in the mood for like another zoom happy hour whatever it might be so that's many happening zoom happy hours so many zoom happy hours even if you're feeling like Ugh, i don't know if i'm in the mood do it and so this is like the one of the basis of cognitive behavioral therapy is you do things even if you don't necessarily want, want to. to be in, like, if you aren't in the mood. I think a lot of times when you're trying to, this is the behavioral aspect, right? When you're trying to, you know, motivate yourself, be like, ugh, when I'm in the, I'll do it when I'm motivated. I'll do it when I'm in the mood. And the key is, no, you do it to feel motivated. Don't wait to feel motivated to do it. Do it to feel motivated. And 
it's kind of like this fake it till you make it mentality a little bit, but to keep engaging in activities, that's social activities, but also pleasant activities, also physical activities, keep engaging in these things in your social distance bubble to keep yourself feeling motivated and engaged and just, yeah, in like in, in life. And I think that another thing to keep in mind is that it doesn't feel like it right now, but this does have a light at the end of the tunnel. Eventually things will return to Mm -hmm. maybe not normal, but a new normal. Um, And I know that's easier said Mm -hmm. than, than seen at this point, because I think a lot of people kind of just assume this was going to be a in and out situation. Like after a few weeks, we'd be, we find a cure, you know, we do something that would end this odd reality that we find ourselves in. Hashtag contagion. What? But it's just, you know, I think the unknown is the scariest part in so many aspects of life. And that's something that I know I struggle with and is the source of a lot of my anxiety because Mm -hmm. I love control. I love being in control and Mm -hmm. nothing about this has any of us have any control in except for following the CDC guidelines, people. Exactly. If we stay inside, this will be over sooner. Um, and that brings me to another point that I don't think Miriam's going to talk to. Um, but as for me, I, I do feel like, you know, I've moved back home almost where I don't know how long I'm going to be here for. Um, really praying that I leave in two weeks and we'll have only <laughs> been here for three weeks. We'll see what happens. Um, those of you that are listening are like, she, she crazy, she playing. I have will, and well, there's a will, there's a way, okay? Um, but I'm very grateful that I could fly home to Florida and be here. Oh, also, I should mention that I've been quarantining. I haven't been coming in contact with people. I've really been sticking to that whole 14-day situation. But uh, when you are changing your location and when you're changing your day-to-day, it's really easy to feel like you've regressed when you're moving back in with your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, while this is for a short time, it is very much like I literally have my work meetings over Zoom or WebEx from my high school bedroom. I am surrounded by pictures of myself as a child. I am, <laughs> you know, my parents are making me dinner every night, hashtag blessed. Um, and are paying for everything. It's great. Like it's, I am mm-hmm. complaining, but I'm only complaining because it feels like, you know, I've grown up so much the last 10 years since like the yeah. last time I've been in this or eight years. And now all of a sudden I'm back to where I was. And I feel like I've done so much work emotionally and maturing and like so many people, you don't realize how much you mature until you're back in a situation and you view things differently. But it's so weird. I told my parents yesterday because I'm taking this very seriously. It might not sound that way because I did go on a plane like a week and a half ago, but at the end of the day, like I'm social distancing. I'm making sure that we're doing all the proper cleaning and stuff. And my parents, while they're saying that they take this seriously, are not understanding the level of seriousness that needs to go into this. They literally went to a social distancing party two days ago but in their defense it really did look like they were social distancing but I feel like in terms of they were went out on the middle of a dock with two other couples and literally had measured eight feet or whatever from each other but I'm like that's just unnecessary do not under us like do not understand the unnecessary risk you're putting yourself in you're putting everyone else in and both of my parents are over 60 and you know they have some underlying conditions 
And mm-hmm. I'm just like, you just don't understand. You're not in New York. You haven't been what Miriam and I have been seeing. And I feel like if you're not in one of the hot spots, you don't fully understand the magnitude of the situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like we're not in Italy. For our listeners that were in Italy, um, that weren't allowed to leave their homes to go for walks without a pass. Like, I can't imagine what that's like. But at the same time, like, you experienced that. That's your own thing. And you saw how bad it was. So then you were like, okay, I'm going to stay in my house. So I'm not making sense. But the moral of, I feel like another thing that that's, I'm struggling with is feeling like a parent to my parents. And I know my mom always talks about this, like, in terms of her her parents now, that they're, like, in their 90s. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, we got a long, long time before my parents were in their 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really shows a whole different social dynamic. And I know so many people are familial dynamic. And so many people from New York went home to their parents because, like, New York is such a crazy place to be right now. Um, I bet you could you would have gone to Georgia if you could. But you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, it's so many different stressors. So my question to you, Miriam, is do you have any tips on effective communication to talk, like with, to speak with respect, but also ensure you're being heard? Um, I do because I actually was researching this myself because I, (laughs) I was having a similar angst with towards my parents. So I was like, how do we get it? Like, how do I appeal to the parents to like, respect this and understand it and to do the right things um and I was reading some woman tweeted about this but she's like (laughs) I think the reason that boomers are struggling with this so much or not fully getting it she's like I think people who grew up in this cold war mentality were are used to things like being threatened with these big, bad, scary things that never actually happened. Right. That's you know, So they're kind of used to this threat of like, this is really bad, be careful, but like also like, okay, well, nothing really panned out. And so not that they're consciously thinking about that, right. but it's if that's kind of your your um, concept of like how to deal with crises is like, okay, we'll be fine. Do take it, just do everything right and we'll be fine. Then they're not going to, feel the threat of this like we do and this is the first big like I mean for a lot of people this is the first big crisis of anything of this magnitude we're really dealing with um that's affecting us you know personally on this level and so I think what I've kind of understood and researched and learned when communicating with parents um is you have to stop making it about the facts of the situation in some sense because like they can watch the news just like we can and for whatever reason they're interpreting it different I think you have to make it more of an emotional appeal um make it more about you I and make that. it but it's that's awful but issues. say like <laughs> I understand you know respect that they have their own control and their own decision making processes but say I feel uncomfortable with this and I would feel better if you did X, Y, or Z, or if you avoided X, Y, or Z, um, I think that's likely your best bet with the parents. Um, and they can still say like, all right, but I think at yeah. least you'll kind of get, you'll latch on to something in their, in their heart and they'll get it, you know? Well, that's the one hope. would hope. But one I also think kind of going back to that feeling of control, you're right. We have no control over a lot of stuff going on in our lives right now, including how other people act. We can, 
educate as much as we can. We can try to appeal to them, but at the end of the day, they make their own decisions and you can't lock anyone in, inside yet, at least. Who knows what will happen in a couple of weeks. But um, <laughs> that, that, that sounded very dark. Um, but we can't do that, right? We personally cannot do that. And so what you have to do is take control of the things that you can take ownership of. So that means like your reactions to things, your behaviors, what you kind of feed into yourself. Um, it kind of brings me back to an episode we had where about social media and how much you want to feed, how much social media you want to feed yourself. Um, and it's the same with the news. The news is important. It's important to stay informed, but I promise you the news will keep going even if you're not watching it. And if you're only checking once a day or every other day or, you know, whatever it might be, the important, like, Amber Alerts thing, because I've gotten a couple Amber Alerts on my phone. Have you down in Florida? Uh, yeah. So, no, I said yes because we had a tornado warning the other day, but that's very different. <laughs> I've been getting, like, the Amber Alert things on my phone now, but, like, specifically for COVID. Um, I think so Matt got one of those. Yeah, the important information you will get so it's okay to turn the news off. Like, it's okay. It's not selfish. It's not avoiding things. It's for your own mental health to, like, only take in what feels important to you or what will make you feel okay. And there, you know? um, there are a good portion of people, myself included, that really can't turn it off because mm-hmm. of our jobs. Um, my, I'm very proud of the way that the publication I work for has taken on, you know, informing the public and not fear mongering and everything, but being a good, a good slate for people Mm -hmm. to inform themselves. That being said, I'm editing like three stories a day or maybe more like six a week Mm -hmm. that are all about COVID. And, um, while it's important to put out that information, it can Mm -hmm. at times feel very overwhelming. My company's been great about um, giving us free memberships to um, stop, Mm -hmm. breathe, think, like meditation apps and doing things like that. And in times where I feel really overwhelmed, I'll definitely crack that open. But there are Mm -hmm. a bunch of people that either can't get away from it because they're a healthcare worker or they're living with someone that wants to take in this information and Mm -hmm. watch the news. There are situations like that. And I think it's important to try and compartmentalize, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like if it starts to feel overwhelming while you're doing it, take a break, go for a walk, do those things that, that you, that you're probably already doing, but be more in the moment while you're doing them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that actually brings up another point that I wanted to bring up is we before we started recording, we were talking about like, what are things we can do during this time period to still feel like, okay. And to manage anxious symptoms. And I think the biggest one is maintaining a sense of normalcy and routine in the midst of all of this abnormal life, right? So going to bed at the same time every day, waking up at the same time every day, changing clothes, like get out of your pajamas, even if you're just putting on like daytime pajamas, which I always joke, I'm like, I took off my night pajamas and put on my daytime pajamas. But it makes such a difference. Like wash your face, do like, you don't have to put on makeup, but just like kind of become a person as if you as if you were still going to work basically keep up with basic hygiene keep up with basic hygiene and keep a sense of structure if you can do your relaxing in your work in two different spots like I live in a very small apartment I live in you know New York I do work at the kitchen table or you know work at certain tables or desks and I relax on the couch and in bed and I really try to avoid blending those things because 
when we are stuck in this, you know, small space, it's easy to get all of that blended together. And, and I think it's important to have boundaries for yourself at this time to be able to fully be engaged in work when you need to work and fully be engaged in relaxation when you need to relax because both are very important. And like you said, if you're working and you can't focus because there's too much going on, take a break, take a walk, switch over to your couch relaxation zone for 15 minutes if you need to. I think this is a great time to be practicing mindfulness and meditation if that's what you're into or a brief you know yoga movements these are all really important to just keep you going day to day and i think to not be too forward thinking this is a perfect time to be in the moment day to day because that's all we have to do right now we just have to make it to the next day very true i feel like you and my therapist definitely spoke because she was telling me (laughs) all the same things um or you guys are all on the same memo. That's more mm-hmm. likely. But oh, yeah. We got, like, a blast email. Yeah. This um, is our new shtick. It, it, I, I can't imagine. But um, <laughs> my last question for you before mm-hmm. we really start to wrap this up is a lot of people have been laid off. A lot of mm-hmm. big life-changing moments are happening that are happening so much differently or more different than we would have anticipated for. For those that are going through big life changes right now mm-hmm. um, in isolation or in quarantine, what are mm-hmm. some ways to kind of mitigate the very overwhelming panic attacky feelings? Yes. So again, kind of touching back to the beginning is you're grieving, right? You literally just lost something. So giving your space time to just feel sad. But I also think when what happens, that panicky feeling you're mentioning is when you start having those spiraling thoughts of what this and then this and then this. And those anxious feelings, um, that worry feeling, worry is only effective if it leads to a plan. Otherwise, it's just worrying and it's just spiraling. So if the worries that you're having can lead to a plan, put together a plan. Put your energy into a plan of kind of how you want to work things out. And then try to put it aside. But that's not always easy, right? It's way right. easier for me to be like, make a plan and like forget about it. Your brain, when it's having these, and I can kind of go into this whole anxiety in general spiel, but your brain, when it's having these um, thoughts and these spiraling thoughts, it it's, think of it like working at a certain, um, I can't think of my words right now. It's like a certain wavelength, like your brain needs to keep working. So you're not going to be able to tell your brain, okay, just stop thinking about it, relax, like take deep breaths, just stop thinking. That never works, right? It's like, imagine this like barking dog who's going crazy and you go to the dog like, calm down. It's not going <laughs> to calm down, right? You need to like, like physically calm the, the dog down first and then you can have a, you know, a, <laughs> a logical conversation with the dog. Um, Which many of us have been having these days. Continue. Yes, but that's basically like what you have to do is kind of acknowledge that your brain is highly active. So instead of erasing the thoughts, you replace them. Don't erase, replace. That's your little motto. So replace those anxious thoughts with alternate narratives, right? Because what, what anxiety is, it's, it's not fact, it's thoughts. And I always reiterate that with my clients. Like, your thoughts aren't facts. They are only thoughts. And just as, as real as those thoughts feel, you can come up with another thought and make that thought feel real too. So if your thought is, I'm never going to have a job again. I'm going to be unemployed forever. You could say, okay, I'm really 
anxious right now. I'm unemployed. This is very not anticipated, very unexpected, but I will be okay one day. And I'm and not alone in this. And I'm not alone. And that thought is just as real as the thought of saying, I'm going to be unemployed forever. Right. And so it's, again, very easy for me to say this and, you know, say like, okay, just like replace it with another thought. And I think we have to remember that our brains are very, we have neuroplasticity, which means our brains are very flexible. So we can change the way our brains work and it takes a lot of practice. So excuse me as I use this metaphor because it's a good one, but imagine this really snowy hill, right? It's this hill and it's covered with snow and you're going sledding down it and you, the sled goes down the hill over and over and over again and what happens? That There's a path, right? The sled is gonna keep going down that same path. That's our brain. So when we're having anxious thoughts, our brain is kind of wired to keep going down the same path that it's used to. But you can change change the path that the sled goes down. It takes a lot more work. When your sled is going down that already like ingrained path, you want to keep going, but you have the ability to say, uh -uh, I'm going to shift left a little bit and make my sled go a different direction. And you're going to have to actively, consciously do that a lot of times, right? It's a lot of work at the beginning to keep moving the sled and keep kind of forging this new path, but eventually you can. And I think that's the key is it's again, kind of, kind of feel like fake it till you make it for a while. You're kind of forcing your brain to think another way but I promise you it can work. Oh, that it's was like beautiful. coming up with a mantra. That was beautiful. I think that was the perfect way to wrap up. Oh, um, good. And I'd also like to add, sorry, not about, this, not about this metaphor, but we didn't really talk about diabetes much at all this episode. And I think the reason for that is, is because I think as more information has come out about this COVID crisis, I know Emily and I were both very anxious at the beginning about like, oh my God, we're high risk, this, this, and that. I think the more information that's coming out is kind of this realization that, you know, there are aspects of diabetes that make us high risk. And I know it's kind of included in a lot of the, the data that you're hearing about from China and whatever, but JDRF has kind of put out a message that we are no higher risk um, if our diabetes is controlled. And their window of what controlled mean is pretty, pretty wide. So if you feel like your A1C is on the higher end or you just don't feel like you're managing it the best, this is like a perfect time to be adjusting those basils and experimenting because we're home all day. Um, very true. And for those that aren't within the controlled uh, metaphor, you are not forgotten. You're not, mm -mm. You're not put out as anything no. expendable. I think this is just a, a bigger call to action to try and mitigate any um, opportunity to to get off track with your diabetes and mm -hmm. stay on top of it. If not now, then when? I mean, literally, I know it's scary. And if you don't know where to start, definitely reach out to your endocrinologist, head to jdrf.org, head to Beyond Type 1. There's so many great resources out there um, to really help you get, get on track. And there are people out there that whose entire job is to help you get on track. So if you are able and can afford, definitely would recommend reaching out to a certified diabetes educator. I think they have a new name now. Don't even know what it's called. They do. But it's like a weird like acronym a, now. Yeah. Um, but you're not alone. If you are at higher risk, you, you know, we'll all, we'll, we're all on our own journey. And all what's going to happen is, is going to happen, but you can 
try your best to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to that is within your control you are doing. Mm-hmm. So whatever is out of your control at this point, all you can do is move forward and focus on the things that are within your control, which to some extent is your diabetes care. Mm-hmm. So on that note, Miriam, thanks for being our licensed mental health guru, um, one half Definitely. of the pals. Yeah, thanks for being a pal. Thanks for being a pal. Oh, my God. Am I going to get a copyright? Maybe. SOS. Yeah, maybe. This is the perfect time for us to come up with a theme song. I'm not. I refuse to say. (laughs) It's not going to be songs. Um, But depending on how long this lasts and how Miriam and I are doing mental health-wise, we (laughs) will either come up with one of those or come out with a new episode. But this was really kind of just a one-off wanting to let our pals know that you're not alone. We're here for you. We're just a DM away. Um, which True. brings me to Miriam's favorite part of yes. the episodes. <clears throat> Are you ready? I'm ready. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like what you hear, just kidding. Um, <laughs> follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals. Follow us on Facebook at pancreas pals PP. Slide into our DMs on both either. We don't care. Or hit us up via email, pancreas pals123 at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. Uh, you're not alone in this. You know, if you're ever bored, just listen to seasons one through six. Um, We're available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. So everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside, unless you're going out for walks, and wash those hands. Amen. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Bye, guys.